Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's broadcast, the H2O Podcast. We are live, uh, and it looks like maybe everything's working. I don't know. We're broadcasting live to Odyssey, YouTube, and Facebook. Welcome. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. Uh, a little growly there, Mr. Harvey. <laughs> Gotta get a little growly there. <laughs> it's actually really warm in my apartment. My uh, You can see my air conditioning unit in the back. It's not working. Oh, no. Um, so um, I have fans going. So the good news about this microphone is that, of course, you know, it, it's a very small actual space. But um, it's warmer than I like, but at least I've got air movement. Well, it's, which, good, it's good to have fans. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I found that, that I can handle a lot warmer temperatures. The older I get, the less I like being warm. Um, I mean, warm during winter, that's one thing. Yeah. But like during the summer, um, you know, I'd rather be cool than, than warm. And, uh, but as long as I've got air movement, right, it's, it's bearable. I, I mean, I have always been cold natured just as a, as a matter of course. And so the older I get, I get more susceptible to cold because, and, mm. and I think I've, I think we figured out the fact whenever I get really tired, I mm. get colder easier. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm perpetually I'm, I'm, cold all the time because I'm always tired. I am I am quite content to throw on a sweater or a jacket and be fine. Um, although, oddly, I have poor circulation. Uh, it runs in the family. Yeah. And so when it gets really cold, I have, you know, it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. But a million years ago, <clears throat> when I was but a wee college lad, yes. um, my ex-wife and I had a apartment right across the street from the K-State K- K campus. Uh, well, not quite across, right across the street, but close enough. With no AC. And I lived there for four years without any air conditioning. In summers in Kansas can get quite warm. Yes. And somehow we survived. And yet, the older I get, the more whiny I become. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. uh, I, I was talking to my mother uh, over the weekend, and she was talking about uh, they're they're in Dallas, and she's talking about uh, they're expecting to get some unusually high heat, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like they're. It sounds like summer is going to be kind of. Uh, intense this year from some of the right. different predictions. It was like, well, you know, we got the 1970 economy. We should have the 1980 summer. So why not? <laughs> it's just everything repeats itself, right? Oh, I tell you. Uh, it, it, they're going to come out and work on it uh, tomorrow because it's it's an electrical issue with the fuses and, and yeah. the breaker. And it's not, you know, it's not the, the AC unit doesn't seem to be the problem. It's, they're gonna have to and go your building and is out. old enough. You probably got the little screw in bus fuses, right? To be honest, it's exactly what I've got, <laughs> and uh, and and I've had I've had issues with this uh, this side of the apartment. the The plugins on this side yeah. uh, have a tendency to go out. So, so yeah, I mean, it's fun, exciting. It's at least it's not you know nine million degrees outside yet. So. Anywho. If it sounds like we're trying to avoid our subject tonight, I guess maybe we're dancing around it a little bit. This is two weeks in a row now yeah. where we have uh, our our original idea for whatever it is topic we're going to discuss kind of gets hijacked. Because over the weekend we learned that Friday night uh, artist and writer George Perez finally died uh and i say, i don't I say finally we we've known it was coming for a while um they made the announcement of here a few well of uh, just uh, what, a couple two three months ago right. that uh 
he he had decided uh, that's it. We're done with treatments. We're going to go into hospice and just let it run its course. And so all of us knew this was coming. They had given him about six months, and I th- I want to say this was probably back in February or March where when th- this decision got made. So we didn't get six months, but it, it's it's one of those things where uh, a friend uh, a friend of theirs named Constance was giving us updates, and she said he he passed away Friday night. Um, he was with family. He was not in pain. Uh, I know that's something that a lot of people had been wondering about. And one of the things that uh, that Constance was always talking about, and she made a point of it this in this in this announcement, was that he knew all of the people were pulling for him. and he he knew he knew that he had, you know, love and support from fans, and you know, people were always thinking about him and sending him messages and and he appreciated all of it. And I think that's. That's probably what should stick with us going forward is even in his last days, George Paris was a class act and he always appreciated his fans and his readers and it's a lesson that some people could learn but you know it's it's one of those things where he was he was always he always made time for fans he was always very gracious uh when when he was meeting people out at conventions i i have never seen i've never seen a negative story about him there might be some out there and now, now that he's gone, somebody will likely decide to troll a little bit and come up with something. But in in all of the time that I've been aware of George Perez in his art and his work and his writing, I've never seen anybody say anything negative about him. You know, I, <clears throat> I'm sure that at some point in his life, he upset somebody and and hurt somebody's feelings or things like that we all it's it's almost impossible to make it through life without without hurting someone even when we don't want to but the the fact is is that he seems to have been someone who had tried very hard to be pleasant and nice and and considering that he had the kind of fame in the industry that he did he had the kind of reputation for the quality of work that he put in um he had the clout of the all the um, titles that he was the artist on some of the biggest titles in the last what 40 years and was apparently extremely generous with his time and with his support for the other people in the industry um and he just he wasn't someone who seemed to carry around the kind of ego that can sometimes go with his level of talent yeah uh and i mean there are there are folks who are amazing in their fields and they are just you know they are often the standard you know that everyone else is held up to and some of them are wonderful people and some of them they let that go to their head (laughs) it happens okay it's and it's human it's unfortunate but it's human and we all have egos of one kind or another um but the fact is is that we we've just lost another person who Everyone who worked with them said that this person came in and they were that that they were not someone whose ego was a, a negative yeah. thing. I mean, it, it's they George came in and did the work and loved the fans and worked with the people that you know he did all these comics with and the 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 legitimate 
sense of loss that so many industry professionals have right now. Right. Um, you know, this is, it's not just losing someone to look up to as, you know, an amazing artist. They lost a friend. They lost a friend that they've, you know, and a lot of these folks have this decades long friendships. Well, not just uh, that, but, but how many, how many did he mentor? How many, how many people oh, yeah. did he help going into it? I saw a post, uh, Billy Tucci had posted uh, his his thoughts over the weekend, and he had he had him in his phone as as Uncle George, and I think a lot of people saw him that way because uh, his his niece uh, Mila, I think she's a cosplayer. She's done some stuff, but she she's done some some stuff with him on her Instagram. And it, it it was it's an easy it's an easy leap to make Uncle George because he's he was always there and he was always wearing his Hawaiian shirts and he was always friendly to everybody and and you could you could see Uncle George it, it was almost like he that was that was his persona like Stan Lee was right. you know the, the the fans fan right mm-hmm. and. It's it's one of those it's one of those things where you know you see all of the different times where he posed with cosplayers and got in got into the groups you know Dragon Con especially and San Diego Comic Con he'd get out there and and all of these different cosplayers in DC especially DC but they would just surround him like he was the patriarch right there in the middle and you'd have. 50 or 60, 100 different cosplayers up there on the steps with him. And he had a ball. You could tell he was he was loving every minute of it. And some of the stuff that he'd posted over the years, he, he was humble. You know, he was, is, at least this is the impression that I got from him, is that, right. you know, he, he still maybe kind of looked at this with a little bit of, how did we get here? Because you know, I'm I'm just an artist. I, you know, I, I write. You know, I make funny books. And he never, like you said, he he never, as far as I'm aware, never displayed any kind of an ego anywhere that I could see. Well, and I think that you always got the sense that, and I don't. I I'm sure there's there's interviews that probably touch on this. I haven't read as many as i probably should have over the years um in some respects he's he's one of those artists who i don't i don't read as much and i realized this over this last couple of weeks actually that i don't read as much um interviews with with artists and musicians and and actors as are available and a lot of times i and and you and i have talked about this outside of the show it's it's you know i the the difference between you know who these people are on screen that we sort of connect with yeah versus who they are right and and they're different things so um and some of that probably comes out of and i've talked about this before that that disturbing uh period in art history classes in college where it would discover that some of the greatest artists in in world history were awful people <laughs> um but they but their ta- but their talent changed the world so there's there's always been this kind of i don't know maybe it's maybe it's a a a leeriness of of getting to know them through like interviews and things like that um Versus my impression of them, right? You don't want to yeah. lose that idea of who this person really is. Never meet your, your heroes. Head. Yeah, yeah, and and you know one of the one of the great things about doing stuff for sci-fi for me, of course, is that I've gotten to meet some of these people, and so I've had to have that impression be a real impression versus filtered through an editor or you know somebody's question, other people's questions and things like that. So, one of the things that it just always. He always came across to me and this is like a pure 100 tim's impression right just yeah. from what what i picked up over the years as someone who was just grateful to do what he was doing that he had a chance to sit there and, and play with these great toys yeah 
I mean, you know, some of the, um, I, I was thinking back to the first time I really became aware of him as an artist. And it probably was Teen Titans. 1980, 10 years old. There it is. I was 10 years old when the new Teen Titans came out. Was this 1980? 1980. Cover price, 50 cents. Yep. Yep. And I think I, 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 the, he'd, he'd, he'd done some stuff for the Avengers by then, and I, I, I know that I had seen those issues as well. But the, 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 the title that really resonated for me at that time was The New Teen Titans. And it was a it was something about it uh and you look at that and 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 that group of of characters that yeah. particular group of characters it had such an impact on what modern audiences think of the titans as well because i remember i've got in my in my collection i've got a couple of older original back you know the the first run you know, back when Harlequin was there and Bumblebee sure. and Aqualad right. yep. and that's that's it. And so it was you know, when this popped up, I thought, oh, there's a new team. Uh, who are these people? You know, because you, you, you recognize Robin, you recognize Wonder Girl and Kid Flash and and Beast Boy, Changeling. But the rest of them, this is all new. Well, even Beast Boy was fairly comparative to some of the other characters very less much lesser known because that was doom patrol yeah and doom patrol was while it certainly had its fans and and has has been one of those comics that comes back and again and again and again often in very surreal and interesting ways um but it was you know not necessarily the biggest hit um and it didn't have the didn't have the footprint of justice league or superman or batman or wonder woman these titles um so he was a known character, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, but this is the group that brought us, this is, this is Cyborg. This is, you know, this is that core, you know, what Robin, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, Starfire, um, Starfire, you know, this is, this is that core group that so many, you know, you look at the modern pop versions of the Teen Titans and that's that core group. And this is where it started. This is, and and characters, like you said, characters we had not seen before. Nobody knew yeah. who Cyborg was. No one knew who Raven was. These were new characters. Well, and it's funny because Cyborg, this is, this is his first appearance. He actually came out of the pages of New Teen Titans. But Ooh. very shortly after that, he started showing up in the Super Friends cartoons. And, you know, uh, Cyborg and Firestorm, both came out about the same-ish times, and so, and I didn't remember because I you know I've got I've got them on DVD. Occasionally, you you watch them because I had the, I had the kid and he wanted to watch the superhero sure. cartoons, right? So we watched Super Friends and we watched Challenge of the Super Friends and all these different you know iterations of it. And I'm sitting here, you know, old man now. Like I don't remember all these different versions of the Super Friends show. And oh hey, there's Cyborg. I don't remember watching this when I was a kid. It was just like okay, yeah. but you know he's been around. But but you know he has been a, a fairly popular character. He has had an impact. And of course, we get him in now in the Justice League because reasons. But um, but yeah, New Teen Titans, and then the other one, of course. Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is, you know, where let's smash all of the multiverse apart and destroy everything and kill everybody off and start over again. Because it just had gotten so unwieldy because of all the different acquisitions that DC had done over the years, buying Fawcett and buying Charlton. And and so now you have all of these, you know, Earth-S and Earth-2 and Earth-3 and earth who's he, what's it whatever Let's smash them all together in one. Kind of like what Marvel did here a few years ago when they destroyed Ultimate and 616 and came up with something new. Well, and what's interesting is that, A, 
just imagine what this comic would have been like if it had not been George Perez yeah. drawing it. Because one of the things that I think really Im- hit a lot of people really intensely as they're reading this comic is how many characters are in this story. <laughs> and he kind of, and you see a lot of artists do this now. There's a lot of artists who, who do a fantastic job of, of displaying a huge cast of characters in cover art, interior art, and, and poster work. And they do, they do a great job. Yeah. But I think that really here, and, and there are artists who have done it before. He, he wasn't the first one to do this. But the level of detail, the clarity of the image, mm-hmm. the ability to, to and, and this is a challenge, folks. We talked, we talked last week about, about the challenges of sequential art. It's really hard to do. Um, it is a skill that is both a thing you can learn, but a lot of it, large, large part of it is innate talent. Yeah. And the fact that you had this literal universes of characters and you never lost your sense of what was going on in this story. Yeah. He, he was the master of the crowd shot. I mean, you look at some of the stuff and the amount of detail in his, uh, in his, uh, work just to just to get everything on the page right mm-hmm. it was just it's one of those where you you could look at it a dozen times over and see something new every single time oh look at that oh look mm-hmm. i didn't see that before i didn't notice that before well and and you know when you could look at the the way he drew people there are there is a sense of of the grandeur of the superhero in mm-hmm. his art but the anatomy of these this is not exaggerated in anatomy yeah i mean sure they're 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 you know everybody everyone's in spandex and they're all in great shape you know that just goes with what superhero stories do but i mean you look at you know n- none of these people have like that exaggerated anatomy where they're like you know my chest is, you know, I, I can't wear human shirts, you yeah. know, or whatever, you know, the, life, life my thigh is six feet around, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not nineties exaggeration, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, there's a, there's a, a, in, in a very crazy wild universe of superheroes, there's a grounded nature to his art yeah. that still manages to uh, really have a sense of, of uh, scale to it, even though people don't look like exaggerated people. He revived Wonder Woman after Crisis. And really, I think for a lot of people, this this version of Wonder Woman, this where the whole, really tying her into the into the Greek gods, um, and you know that whole the the, the mythic level yeah. uh, storytelling that he played with here. Um, I think really, you know, it, it's the, for many people the definitive well, and and origin story for Wonder Woman. Past this, I think really, if you go back and you look through his entire career, Wonder Woman became the most closely associated with him for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, he he revived the character after Crisis and and the artwork and and whatnot, but he's he's always he's he's drawn. Justice League. He's drawn Avengers. He's John. You know, the, he helped create the new Teen Titans and and you know Raven and Cyborg and Starfire, and invariably, Wonder Woman is the one is the one you think about first when you hear his name. And I got to looking the other day, and and, and Mindy and I were talking about you know, various different artists, and you know some of them have signature styles some of them are you're able to tell <clears throat> that's you know that's infantino that's kirby that's that's you know Perez. that's you know neil adams and whatnot and we talked about neil adams art last week it's, it's very photorealistic and and all of those things and i told i was telling mindy you can always tell not 98, 99% of the time, you can always tell when George Perez has written it by looking at the hair. Because 
he's got such detail and most of the most of the women have have all of this you know i mean volume in the hair i'm like yep i know who i know who drew that <laughs> but right. yeah but he he's he was known for that i mean that was that was one of his that was one of his signature styles you could look at that crowd scenes and women's hair you could always tell that it was his work <laughs> Speaking of Wonder Woman, I, I am I am drinking from a Wonder Woman mug tonight in in his honor. It's not his artwork on the mug, but it, it's Wonder Woman. It's you know it's George's character, sure. Wonder Woman. But I have I have a George Perez Wonder Woman story <clears throat> that's a little bit unusual. It's it's not my story. It's a second-hand-ish, I-know-somebody type story. And we'll get into that after the break. Stand by. We have 52 reasons to listen to this podcast, but they may change in six months. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. That is very true. Everybody in this film is a caricature. What, it's an exploitation movie. You're not looking for... Subtlety here. That's not the point of it. That's not the point of exploitation movies. <laughs> you don't go there for. Oh, deep. she gives such a nuanced performance. <laughs> yeah. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Live from the bunker, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Back on the H2O podcast. Okay, so my 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 Wonder Woman story. There are artists who have an innate talent for drawing. You talk about the anatomy of a character and whatnot. And frequently we talk about, you know, artists like Alex Ross, for example, who will use photographs as reference for various different uh, characters and whatnot. Uh, George did the same kind of thing. And there was, uh, there were a few different people that he had as models. And one in particular was one of his models for Wonder Woman. She is uh, now known by the name Diana Knight. Um, she's a fetish model, a BDSM fetish model. Mm-hmm. Sure, right. And I went to college with her. And <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, you're doing what now? And uh, it was one of one of her claims to fame was the fact that she had been a, a, a model for George for a couple of different covers, Wonder Woman covers. Um, I don't know which ones, uh, but there's my there's my six degrees of Kevin Bacon with George Perez, I guess. <laughs> I have a <laughs> uh, uh, I have an acquaintance of mine from college. And that is all I will say as for their identity. Yeah. Um, not we were not particularly close in in college. We we knew each other, and they um, spent some time as a model for soft core mm. publications. Yes, and quite frankly. They were like, the money was good, the work was not hard, and I paid off some bills. And I was like, you know, I mean, hey, it's a gig. Um, and I have a friend of mine who, uh, she was big in the 80s and 90s. Not, I, I have no idea what happened to her, but there was a uh, not so, um, not so softcore um uh, performer who dated a, a friend of an actor friend of mine um he has he has bitter memories of that <laughs> of that relationship it didn't have anything, it didn't have anything to do with her job yeah it had to do with 
their relationship, but sure. it's a gig, you know. I mean, I, I one of my one of my I, I've got you know you you can see my some of my paintings in the background, and and of course like I've, like I said I've got got an art degree. I went to college for graphic design, spent a lot of time in illustration classes and painting classes, and I've got I still have my portfolio from back in the day, and I have a ton of figure studies, um, and one of my favorite artists favorite well i guess she was an artist uh she was incredibly good at what she did um one of the models who would come in and do the you know she'd come in sit down and she'd give us these great poses and she was she had you know she could hold a pose for a really uncomfortable looking pose that looked it looked great when you drew up you're like it's kind of supposed to be like yeah. twitching because that muscle isn't supposed to stay like that that long <laughs> um really fantastic um but she 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 loved to tell the story of, you know, she went into this class. It was summer. It was summer school uh, course, and it was the the AC was out in the building, and they were all just like, "It's so hot." And finally, one of the guys in the class pulled his shirt off, and she jerked because she was so used to sitting there without any clothes on herself she had gotten to the point where she kind of forgot that the people who were drawing her <laughs> had bodies. And so it was like seeing, seeing this shirtless guy was like almost shocking to her in that moment because he was like, Oh yeah. There are other people <laughs> oh, in the room. I yeah. I, I, um, she was, I have so many, so many of the really great uh, figure study stuff that I still have yeah. is, is of, is of that lady. And she was a, a remarkable model. So it's a gig it's a thing people do for you know yeah a lot of different reasons but yeah um i that is a claim to fame i mean you know the all the various people who have been models for like boris vallejo or or you know alex ross or any of these folks i mean that is that is a a claim to fame you got a chance to to serve as the basis for some of these iconic images she should be very proud yeah well and and you know you you look at some of the stuff that you 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 know you like like Alex Ross's stuff for example and you talk about anatomy and the spandex and the whatnot and and Alex Ross always brought you know, with the with the watercolor work you've you've got the wrinkles in the in the suits and the, the it, you can tell it's fabric and it really does mm -hmm. feel like you're you're painting a portrait of somebody who's been standing there all this time right and George's work wasn't quite that detailed as far as the 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 photorealistic part of it, but it was always it was always distinctive and and it was you could take his work and you take Neil Adams' work and you could see these people on the street. I mean, right. you yep. you could imagine that design of the characters in live action. With a few exceptions, I believe he was responsible for the Nightwing disco outfit. <laughs> yes. And I recently saw, I recently saw somebody doing, it wasn't that version. It was the version that came after it, Yeah, which was an improvement, but not a great one. Some cosplayer just did a version of it, which was sort of an updated, you know, more of the body armor kind of thing that we see now for that sort of thing. Right. But it was that it was the color scheme and the layout. And I'm like, and they were like, it actually works if you do it like this. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, the collar and yeah, the, the collar. The I, I don't know what I mean, they were thinking with the collar. Well, and, and to some degree, it was kind of a product of the time. And so there's an interesting thing that happens with comics. And sometimes comics are on the cutting edge of the visual. Uh, uh, trends going on in the world, and sometimes they just lag behind. Um, you know, the one of the, uh, the probably the best example of that is remember the Marvel characters Dazzler. Yes. Okay, so Dazzler came out um, after Disco, but she's a Disco character, mm -hmm. and I mean the Marvel Marvel. <laughs> here's the bubble. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it burst. <laughs> About a month later, Marvel saunters into the room and goes, "Cool, 
let's do this. Um, and there was supposed to be a movie and an album and all these things, right? So, and yet, and yet the character survived and the characters had some interest, you know, they've, they've used the character well at times since, but and, and it, there's, it happens. And there's been a rumor and it's a persistent rumor. I don't, I don't know where it started. I don't know how strong of a rumor it is, but there's a rumor every so now, every now and again, it bubbles up that the MCU Dazzler, they'd like Taylor Swift to play her. Well, you know, and, you could see that that uh, would work. <laughs> it would work. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, she she can act. Um, and, and uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, um, I'm pretty sure her budget, what it's going to cost to get her in there yeah, is... Right. I mean that you know I'm I'm not saying she's not worth the money I'm just saying that that's a big price tag probably yeah. but I mean there's you know I'm the 80s it wasn't just in comic books there were a lot of fashion choices in the 80s it was the 80s um so we can forgive we can forgive some of the costume design from the 1980s it's it's okay I I I am proud to say that I never succumbed to the trends I always you know, looked out of out of style. So I I you folks have seen me and you know I you know dress in, in a lot of black and gray and white and blue jeans and and I I went down to I went to a screening at a the at a small kind of hole in the wall theater that I I didn't even know was there here in Kansas City. It's it's a great great place. Uh, Stray Cat Theater. If you're ever in Kansas City, they do art house and. Mm classic films and they're really it's a really great space no idea it was there i feel really dumb um but i, I went down to a screening and i'm there in in what is kind of my uniform it's blue jeans you know dress shirt and a black yeah. dress jacket right and, and <laughs> ran into a friend of mine who what with the pandemic and everything we haven't physically been in the same room in like three years and he looked at me and went You're so consistent. And I'm like, I think the word you're looking for is boring, but I'll take consistent. I'll take consistent. You know, I don't know. Every, every now and again, boring needs to be applied because we got to take you down a notch or two just to keep you humble. The, the, the fact is, is I've dressed, I've dressed pretty much this way for most of my life. And it's, it's a failure of imagination is what it is. Um, But I mean, back in the eighties though, I, I too had um, the, the gray knit tie, right? Oh, yeah. That were right, square. Right, right. They yeah, weren't they yeah. were angled. Um, I did a, own a couple of, a of pink cord, shirts. Corduroy looking thing. Yeah, I did have a couple of the light pink shirts. Yeah. You know, it was, again, you know, the 80s. Um, and I think somewhere, God only knows what happened to it. I had one of those explosion in a paint factory. Um, shirts where it's like okay did this really come out that somebody just thought they had a whole bunch of scraps left over and they just like sewed them all together into yeah. one shirt um and i mean you the shirt your shirt you're wearing has consistency right it's it's right. a it's a it's got stripes right yeah i'm talking about the kind of thing where it's just like you know all these geometric weird strip it was an it was an mtv thing i, I blame mtv <laughs> Well, and 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 with that, we can circle around to the shirts that that George always wore. He was he was always in a Hawaiian type of of sh- right. shirts. Um, and this is this is the photograph that everybody has probably seen more than any of the others. Uh, but he was That's always wearing shirts. And you know, it's 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 disappointing because he and Marv Wolfman. Who is the co-creator of New Teen Titans? They they worked on it together. They appeared as themselves in the animated Teen Titans Go. And they didn't put him in a Hawaiian shirt. They put him in a solid color. And like, why would you do that? This is the perfect opportunity. You can even make a gag about it in the show because by then, Teen Titans Go was was the parody, and right. you you see the clip out there. They're like, "Hey, you guys look great. You like you you look like the Teen Titans." They're like, "Well, we are the Teen Titans." And George was like, 
this is what the Teen Titans look like. And, of course, the show now then has George's artwork for the Teen Titans. They're like, this is what they look like. I, not, you guys you guys are nice cosplayers and stuff. But just, you know, it made the whole gag out of how, how, this, right. how this show has basically devolved into a, a spoof of itself. Uh, but you know, when I saw when I first saw that they were going to be on there, I first saw the 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 artwork. I th- I thought, what a missed opportunity, <laughs> because yeah. they put him in a solid. Yeah. But I I get it. I mean, that's a tough design to animate. You know, that's busy, but still, right? And it's it it, it really is. And the sad thing is, is that so many so many things that we want to see an animation don't happen because it's cheaper yeah. not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I do have, I, it's not, it's not really a negative story, but his, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about George Perez with DC and Marvel mm-hmm. and his last work was at boom studios. Right. A, a title called sirens. And, the reason his last work was at Boom Studios is because he got a little annoyed with DC Comics. Yeah. Welcome welcome to How Not to Do a Reboot of Your Line. New 52. Yeah. And I'm not saying there wasn't some good good and interesting stories to kind of New 52. There were. Mostly in the horror space, but... Um, there were some interesting stuff and and Praetors had a chance to play in some new and interesting ways, but some of it was handled so poorly and the Superman titles were part of that. Yeah. Because Grant Morrison had action comics. Was it Grant? Yeah, it was Grant Morrison. And uh, George had Superman. And they were set, I think, what five years apart in the in the the new fifty two continuity. Yeah, which is um, not not necessarily the. Well, okay, you can do that kind of storytelling, but you kind of have coordination between the people who are writing the yes. comics, and which was not what happened here. No, because Grant Morrison wouldn't talk about anything what what was planned, and George was like, "I gotta know because his stuff." happens at this time and my stuff happens this time and and it could impact and we could have we could have continuity issues here and editorial wasn't any help well and and, and it sounds like from some of the things that i've seen is that if editorial had been a help then he might have been able to deal with morrison being so tight-lipped or he could have dealt with Morrison not being tight-lipped and the editorial being difficult, but the combination of the two editorial ed- editorial. That's that's a theory, whole that's a whole other topic that we. Well, I, I think I think in, an in theory, right? You you don't have to have the 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 writing teams and the artistic teams on on two connected books talking to each other as long as the editorial folks are giving them guidance and, and holding right. it all together. And that assumes and, that the editorial people have the skill set to do it. But yeah, you know, well, there's there's that. But I think that what New Fifty Two really showed is that if you don't have that structure really in place when you're going to make this kind of big changes, you know, because new 52 for all its faults, and it had a lot of faults inherently, if you look at the inherent thing of it, the, the point of it, it's not a terrible idea. It's not a particularly good idea, but it's not a terrible idea. It's not a you've set you set fire to your you know, you know everything that makes your your comics work right. But it's got to be handled well, and and even even in one of the better cases, the post crisis on our crisis on Infinite Earths, there were mistakes made. <laughs> well, I think excuse me, I think part of part of the the post crisis thing is once they had a universe and it was just the one universe 
there were, like you said, there were some inconsistencies. There were some mistakes and some oopsies. And then now, now you have other stories to try to course correct, just massage and tweak. And and then suddenly now you have new issues and and mistakes and and continuity errors and whatnot. They broke Hawkman for twenty years. Yeah. They they broke a character, <laughs> and it took twenty years for them to figure it out. Well, again. and and the the negative aspects you talk about, you know, the mistakes that were made in New Fifty Two, uh, the the inadvertent consequences of Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, that was. Yeah, I I don't know how much you could put that on George. I mean, Jeanette Kahn oh, no, and, and no, no. all of these I'm, guys. I'm not... They had you know corporate the the big wigs in editorial had decided they were going to do this well and but nobody had really done it before it I mean, had never been the, done before not like this not at the scale that yeah. they were doing here right and so the fact that it was as smooth as it was even with the bumps that it definitely had mm-hmm. is kind of amazing and i think possibly a bit deceptive when it comes to trying to do it again later down the line well, it wasn't so bad with Crisis on Infinite Earths. We made it work. Uh-huh. And yep. how much of that was blind luck? <laughs> well, okay, you had, I think, what it took them. They they spent two years planning it. And New 52, took a, they, they took, what, six months? Well, and, and I think that the... It's a lot easier to, as complicated as it is, to consolidate mm-hmm. all of your your universes into one as long as you've like built a timeline of how this is how the world unfolded. In fact, we got this amazing history of the DC Universe series that George drew. Yeah. That if you had questions, here's here's the timeline. And it went back to the distant past, into the far future. Mm-hmm. And they gave you this roadmap. So if you were confused, if you wondered where your favorite character who no longer had a world of their own, how they fit into this world, you could find a place. New 52. <laughs> I mean, the decision to to condense everything to a five-year period. Yeah, that was dumb. Was, I mean, I'm, I have never quite understood who wasn't the person in the room who stood up and went, um, five years? No. Are you, are you sure? Because that's not that long. Right? I mean, why don't you... Well, and I think coming out of coming out of Crisis on Infinite Earths, they saw, oh, hey, we can do this uh, this big giant event thing. And you know, you know, coming out of the '80s, you had dark and gritty with Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and Watchmen and The Killing Joke, and then you had the big events. And so you have Crisis on Infinite Earths, and you have Secret Wars, and you have uh, one Death of Superman, Death of Superman, yeah. and one yeah. one more day, and the clone the Clone Saga of Spider Man, and the Crisis became a a trope. You had Infinite Crisis, you had Final Crisis, and then you had Fifty Two, and you know, all these all these things where the DC universe is in the throes of some gigantic universe shattering thing. Well, and they're doing it right now too. They got the death of the justice league. The thing is that the, here, here's the, here's the unfortunate reality of the crisis on infinite earths. It told everyone that big events sold comics. Yeah. Therefore we must have the big event. And in fairness, sometimes it works really, really well. How long were fans begging for Justice League versus the Avengers. How long? A long a long while. But see and this is back when they this is back when these two companies were, were cooperating with each other. You're never gonna get this again. Well no, 
they're they're owned by they're owned by two giant media conglomerates. They're why would you do that? Well, I mean, unless Disney buys DC. Well, in which case, then it could be up for sale. Maybe we'll get it again, but I'm 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 skeptical. Um, But I mean, I don't know. They're buying everything else. Well, you know, they already own my childhood. They might as well just buy it all. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, you know, you you consider that you know the JLA Avengers crossover series when we got it. Mm -hmm. Oh. That was a fun. Uh, that was a fun book, but it wasn't the first time. He also he tried to do it earlier, and they had gotten canceled. Yeah. So I mean, but it's it's yeah. There's. You think you think about some of these these places where this stuff really hit, and again, like just like last week, you know, you and I have had so much of this stuff happen in the course of our lives, where we got to be here and be part of this. I mean. Um, New Teen Titans came out really as DC's response to the X-Men, the popularity of the X-Men. It was meant to be a competitor, and it was a successful competitor against the juggernaut um, that was the X-Men titles in those days. And um, the fact that, you know, we got the New Teen Titans, we got his run on Wonder Woman, we've got him drawing Superman, we've got I mean, all of these things so many of the stuff that I think people really consider to be iconic comic moments, you know, these, these people had their hands on them. They, they were writing them, they were drawing them and, and they shaped generations of comics fans by, you know, George's talent as a writer too. And, and, and an inker and not just a, not just an illustrator. You know, he he did script work. He inked. He was the inker on whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, the last of uh, the last Superman, the pre crisis crisis Superman titles. Yeah. Um. Uh, and you know, it, it, you don't think about that because the inker, who's the no the inker inker <laughs> inkers matter. Folks. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. really do. They can they can they can enhance. They can destroy. I have seen some really, really fantastic um, art by artists that are very recognizable. And you get someone who's not necessarily a bad inker, mm-hmm. but they're just not the right inker for yeah. that. Yeah, and, and you're sitting there going, this doesn't look right. Like, well, you know. And again, you know, it, it the, the folks who do ink work, it's complicated and hard work. I'm not bashing inkers by any stretch of the imagination. They're very, you know, their their talent set is very important as well. Um, but it really is a combination of the right inker for the right artist, the right colorist for for the right inker and artist, yeah. uh, and of course the right script. I mean, you know, it always comes down to the right script. Um, but the art, if you've got a great script and and George Perez doing your art. And, you know, it's it's funny. You know, I, I sit there and I think about, because I haven't really paid attention to the modern comics industry that much as far as finding. I mean, you, there are some names that I know simply because of all of the different sure. interviews that we've done and the coverage and stuff. And, you know, you've got Freddie Williams, who's here in town, and, you know, Jason Aaron, who's a writer, and he's from here, and... Um, you know, you know, Kevin Mellon, Dennis Hopeless. You, you've got some Kansas City talent that's out there doing stuff now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, and and this is ignorance on my part for for the most part. I'll admit that I don't know that you have anyone currently who's at the level of a Neil Adams or a George Perez or. Jack there Kirby. are a few out there who I think are doing doing um, really fantastic work, but I think that there is a it's kind of the right time, right place. Yeah. Right. Uh, there are there are there are periods where 
you can have like defining moments in whatever the thing is, whether it's sports or comics or movies or books or whatever, the folks who came around at the right place at the right time to make the thing that defined everything. Have you and, seen, have you seen the latest, uh, the, the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man run? John Romita Jr. is drawing it. It doesn't look anything like John Romita Jr. Well, you know, but the thing is, is that art styles change as we move along for, it gets good and it gets bad. I mean, uh, I was reading something recently about um, uh, someone commenting on, on the legacy of Frank Miller, right? Right. For, for the, for the, you, for whatever criticisms you can have of him. And I think some of them are very legitimate. Again, a creator who hit certain points that it changed the industry. It defined things, whether it's daredevil or Batman or whatever, Electra and his art style at times has been amazing and in the later years of his art it's almost become a parody of his own stuff i mean it's just it things mm -hmm. happen right yeah um I, I there are i mean there, there's some you still see folk you still see stuff from like art adams or or a lot of it a lot of the really like amazing artists that are being we're seeing now are cover art are doing you know and and which enables them to do a lot of different covers because sure. they don't have to spend you know do 30 pages inside um but you still see art adams doing covers you see alex ross doing covers you see um max brooks has been doing a lot of x-men stuff lately and those are gorgeous covers um there's a lot of different a lot of different folks but I admit myself that although I'm reading a lot of comics these days, a lot of modern, and there's quite a bit of, of DC and Marvel. Okay. There's some DC and Marvel stuff that I'm really enjoying. There's some that's okay. And there's some I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Like every other period in my life with comics. Um, but there are only a few writers and authors who are having the impact on me these days very few that these guys did and yeah. part of that is when they when how old i was i mean 10 yeah. years old when this happens my teenage years when i'm when comic books really are i'm i'm, I'm getting the i'm getting the complicated storylines i'm understanding the skill that went into the artwork these are the folks who defined my idea of comic books yeah I mean, George, right there. I mean, it, that was his period. My teenage years is some of his most amazing work. And there's no way it couldn't shape what I think of when I think of comic books. Yeah. He That's... absolutely will be missed, not just in the industry, but, but yeah. fans all, pretty much all over the world. Um, so, um, Mrs. Boss is giving me a note asking you, oh, 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 yes, um, we got, I got a question on live from the bunker today. Sure. Uh, cause we were talking about some different things with, and, and somehow Lovecraft came up mm. and, uh, we got some new people in the chat this morning and one of them i think he's in scotland or he's in the uk somewhere somewhere over there asking about a horror writer by the last name of campbell uh he was listening i think he's listening to an audio book by by the and i can't right off the top of my head i should have written it down it's it's a it's a name i had i think i've heard but it uh, don't remember. I don't remember his name. I don't remember Ramsey the name. Campbell. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think that's Ramsey. Ramsey Campbell. I think that's right. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. Trying to remember. Um, Ramsey Campbell. <clears throat> oh yeah, Midnight Sun. Okay. Yeah, I know who Ramsey Campbell is. Okay. All right. I had a feeling that you did uh, when that came up in the chat. I was like, oh, I've never heard of it, but I bet Tim has. 
Uh, yep. And and we got some we got some feedback uh, off of our Lovecraft episode from a couple of weeks ago. Your Muslim uncle uh, has has been listening to a Lovecraft audio from Big Finish. Um, what did he say it was? Because he he tagged us in. It's uh, da, 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 da. let me look, let me look, let me look. What do you say? Um, all-consuming fire. He's listening. It's an audio book from Big Finish. He's listening to it now. So, uh, the all-consuming fire. That if if that's the one I think it is, it's a Doctor Who Lovecraft. It's Holmes and it's Holmes and and Watson meet uh, the uh, Seventh Doctor. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a blast. It's actually uh, really fantastic. Uh, uh, it was a. I used to own that book. I only knows where it made it off to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's one of the. Uh, if it's if it's the same thing, then it's one of the Virgin line of of Doctor Who books in the Great Hiatus, and they are hard to find and very expensive now. I had a um, con- had a conversation with my mom over the weekend talking about all of the stuff that's still in the garage that still you know we got to go through all of the stuff i th- i think i have i think i still have one of those wind up evil knievel figures mm-hmm. you know you you you, sure, right, yeah. you hit the release button and he takes off i think i've got right. one of those still out there um the fisher price mcdonald's and holiday inn are still out there who knows what else is there but we were talking about some stuff that's that's just in boxes and we have no idea what's out and we just got to go through and clean out the garage and stuff. Uh, Christopher in the chat says, Paul Sergovia did some great covers and art for 2015's Titans Hunt, filling uh, fitting tribute to George's work in terms of story and art script by Dan, is it Dan Abnett? Uh, who did those? So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it George is going to have a very, long-lasting impact oh, on the industry. Yeah. So many people were influenced by his work, uh, both as as writers and artists, and uh, he's definitely going to be missed. And, and, you know, I hope that next week we're not having the same kind of conversation about somebody else. Yeah, no kidding. I don't, I mean, I'd rather not have... Uh, have to... I mean... We had, and 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 I also had another thought that hit me about an hour before we went on the air today. This being 2022, and we're what? How many how many months away from December? Seven. We're seven months away from December. You know what happens in December of 2022? This show is 10 years old. Can you believe we've been doing this for 10 years? Off and on? Yeah, I kind of care. Do you think we'll be doing it for 10 more? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind that it's 2022 and I moved to Kansas City in 2005 and it doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. Even though, you know, it was a little while ago. It was. And we've been talking for a little while. Uh, we're going to go ahead and head out. Those of you who have been with us, thanks very much for your thoughts and, and see all of you in the chat. It's good to have you here all the time. And if you want to connect with us over on social media, there's all the list. And uh, it's in the notes if anybody wants to uh, connect with us over there, if you haven't already. And uh, there's the different video platforms where you can find us. There's a newsletter you can sign up. The tip jar uh, over at PayPal is probably the easiest way if you want to support us financially. And I'm going to call shenanigans on YouTube because on sun, on Saturday, we had 2,030 subscribers on YouTube. And Good Morning Multiverse had some something i don't know what happened but good morning multiverse had twice as much traffic as what we normally get and it was like oh hey this is pretty good and then suddenly we lost four subscribers on youtube hmm. so we're down to 20 20 seconds like that doesn't look how did that happen so the analytics always follow a day later right so on sunday 
it went from 2026 back up to 2027. We gained another one. We, we, you know, we got one back. And the analytics show that little dip that we lost four. Okay, all right. So right. there, it's it's there. I look at it today. We're at twenty thirty three, and that dip of four is gone. It's like, no, they didn't really leave. Okay. We're just kidding. We're just joshing. We're just seeing if you're paying attention. All right. YouTube shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen. Find us over on Odyssey. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. We will be back next week. Uh, the rest of the week, no live from the bunker. We'll be back uh, probably on Saturday for Good Morning Multiverse, although now there's kind of a question on that, too, even. So we'll let you know. Find us on social media. We'll put the announcements there and let you know if anything major changes. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Bye, guys. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.